Welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex, and my very special guest this week, Oliver Cookson, entrepreneur who established the sports nutrition business, My Protein, which he started with a £500 overdraft and then sold in 2011 for £58 million to the Hutt Group. And himself, Oliver, is now valued personally, his wealth at over £300 million. So he's clearly invested it well. He splits his time between Monaco, Manchester and Ibiza, where he recently bought a villa. And I have to say, he's definitely one of my favourite guests. I felt like, I mean, I think at least, we got on like a house on fire. We'd love to get him on uh, as a follow-up to this as well. We talk about loads of things, obviously. He's got some great stories to tell on how we bootstrap this business from, like I say, a £500 overdraft up to £100 million pound company now positive mindset a commitment to a positive mindset being the key to succeeding and we both agree you've got to have a screw it just do it attitude to life that hard work definitely pays off and that the best investment you can make is both in your body and in your own health i think you're really good no i don't think i know you're going to really enjoy this episode with oliver cookson so without further ado screw it just do it Oliver Cookson. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast, and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Just before you listen to this week's episode, I want to ask you, have you ever thought of launching your own podcast? If you have, then I've got a free podcast launch checklist. You just need to click the link in the description of the show and it will take you to where you just enter your email and we'll send you a copy of that free podcast launch checklist. If you want to launch it sooner and with help, then if you didn't know, I run a podcast agency called Podpreneur. We'd love to help you take the stresses and strains from launching your own podcast. We've been doing this for years. Get in touch. DM me, alex at podpreneur.co.uk. Now on to the show. So Oliver, you started my protein with with five hundred pounds overdraft. I've, I've read, and when I've been working with Virgin Startup the last four or five years, um, we were trying to highlight businesses that did start with five hundred pounds. And other than Al Barrett from Grenade and Nick Coleman from Snapple and Pig, I think we really struggled to find any. But but you did it. Do you think you could still do it with five hundred pounds in today's climate? So so yeah, look, it's one of the key questions you get asked. If it depends on what which space is absolutely for sure you can do it. In a, in a market which is right for that. 
However, if you said to me today, could I do my protein with 500 pounds? Then it'd be absolutely no. Because market saturation is very mature. Even with a big budget, it's hard to get into that space. However, there is, I wouldn't want to say you can't bootstrap or start with a limited budget for any business in, in a different space. I'm absolutely convinced. In fact, as I even mentioned on one of the podcasts, yeah. I have no doubt, sure, there will be, uh, you'd be able to start a business in some space with 500 pounds or a limited budget. And, you know, like those businesses that, that started literally from a kitchen table, your, your example, I guess, was starting from a, from a lock-up garage, was it? Yes, it's, yeah, so basically, it was like a self-service unit. We had to call it a lock-up garage, I think, because in America, the, a lock-up is, is basically a sense of jail. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so they changed it to a lock-up garage, so they knew what, what we meant. But, the, but yeah, it's effectively a, a unit where it was, I think it was 12, 12, no, 24 feet by 24, or 12 feet by 12 feet. It was, it was tiny, anyway. It's mm. you pay one price, I think it's a few hundred pounds a month, and it includes all your rates, your electricity, blah, blah, blah. So that's where we started, yeah. It was effectively a stainless steel table. Picture this in a, in a box room with a window at the end. And you had the sacks of proteins on the, on the left wall, and you had the drums of the amino acids on the right. The stainless steel table, which was a standard stainless steel casing table, under the window. So that's where everything in the boxes went behind me. Wow. And, and interested to know, and I'm sure our audience as well, it's, it's that common question, how, how did you actually get your first customers then, you know, starting with 500 pounds from, from the garage? Um, yeah. What were your tactics? So the, I, was, I didn't have any business experience. I had some business experience, but I didn't have any marketing experience really. Because I had a couple of businesses before that. So I, I thought the best way would word them out. And this was pre Facebook and pre-social media because this was 2003-2004. So what I did, I was a member of a forum called Muscle Talk, which which a guy called James Collier, who's the co-founder of Hugh, actually. He's uh, so he he ran that place, really nice guy. I I effectively just used them as a an advertiser. So I created a username called My Protein, and then I said to James, "Can I start?" Posting posts, promoting goals, and I'll pay you. We call it a sticky post, I think. Right. So, so that's how it started. So I came up with the idea, wrote a post, posted it on Muckle Talk, effectively saying, create your own protein formulas, use the customizer, or buy them direct for you know, half the price of what would be available out there. It started from there, and then everyone, that's where the first customers came, and then they, um, they referred people, so on and so forth. And am I right in, in saying that when you did exit then seven years later for, for like 58 million, you'd, you'd never had investment up to that point. So you just fueled it organically, I guess. Yeah. So it's, yeah, people don't, don't believe me. It's, it's well, not these days, isn't it? It's like a badge of honor to have had investment. Whereas you look at bootstrapping, it's not looked in the same light the last, I don't yeah, know, exactly. And I'm, on a, I'm on a little bit of a mission to try and, try and change that. Good. I believe it's definitely, the, I think it's definitely, the right way to go for the, for the business owner because mm. you know you know that but yeah the um going back to the original question so yeah i i actually there's no pound pound overdraft so that's why it's 500 pounds that was the maximum overdraft i could get i right. just went to hsbc and asked for a ten thousand pound loan but they said no so i so then so i bought i went to that west which is another bank i was with and they said no to the loan as well but they're a lot more but they said look we can give you a 500 pound overdraft so right. i took that pound pound overdraft and then bought my initial stock and sold it. But from after, I think it was two weeks of payback that found out of draft, and we were profitable all the way through to the end. I did sell. We had no, not one penny of loan came into the business. I maintained 100% equity the day I sold it. So yeah, it was fully bootstrapped. Yeah. And still on the board now as a, as a non-executive director. What, what, what's your relationship? The amount of people I've spoken to, you know, um, episode 250, 
you know, look at it as, um, you know, favorite child. What's your kind of relationship and how, how do you look at it now, like in, in the kind of rear view? As, as what, sorry? For, to, for a yeah, how, how, do you, how do you view my protein now from your, your position? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it, it's my, that's my first child, <laughs> basically. That's, yeah. there's, there's no other way of describing it. That was my, my first child. That's how I still look at it. And, you know, the, it's, it's, you know I'm proud to see the business really, you know, grow massively since, since I existed the business. As I knew it, I always would. I always knew it would be the number one sports nutrition brand in the world. You know, that's where it's, where it's got to. And, and was it literally the, the right decision at the, at the right time? I'd assume, like, if somebody like the Hype Group had made you an offer, there's going to be other people who've made you other offers as well at the time. Yeah. yeah. Look, obviously, the Hype Group were a lot, a lot smaller then since mm. you know, 2011. You know, my protein was more profitable than the Hype Group in 2011. We were making over £5 million pounds of the car. They were making a lot less than that. Um, so forgive minus one. Um, so so yeah, they were a lot. We were a lot bigger than them, really, in the, in the grand scheme of things. So the I went with the hook for a variety of reasons. But we when I I um I went for a full sales process for my protein, and we had seventeen private equity bids. We had we had two huge uh, conglomerates that bid. So I think say the name. One of the biggest soft drinks manufacturers in the world of brands, and one of the biggest food conglomerates. You probably guess. So they put bids in, which were really attractive bids as well. And I had a couple of private offers as well from private family offices, but they weren't really that attractive to me at the time. But yeah, I went with the hook. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And mentioned before, you know, that it's, it's almost, I don't know, people now look at it as a badge of honor that they've, they, they've got investment. If they're a startup, like they haven't actually, you know, made a pound yet. But for, for you, I, I believe you, you're profitable from, from week one. Is that right? It was. It was week one. Yeah. Hmm. Luckily, there was no overheads because it was just me, and I wasn't. I wasn't putting myself on the, on the payroll at that stage because I had a full time job as well. So sometimes you did before and after work. So there's no cost. The only cost was the rent of the the, the, the the unit or the, the lot, if you like. Um, yeah. So that was the only real overheads hard cut. So yeah, we profitable after week one. We were, every single there wasn't one day since the launch that we didn't get an order, and it wasn't a day before that we didn't, we didn't get one. We didn't get more than the day before. Literally from from day one until I sold it and, and onwards, every single day was always more than that. Last yeah, makes sense. Do you, have you ever listened to talking podcast that we were offline earlier? Have you ever listened to a guy called Andy Frizzella who owns First Form in the states? I've not, but I will add it to my list. Yeah, yeah really, really, really interesting. You know, and he's ten years, I think, since they started First Form. Um, they, and this week they just moved into this, you know, like ridiculous facility that lo- looks like an, an NFL American football team would be training there. You know, it's more like a, as he says himself, I listened to the episode today. It's more like a, you know, a sport sports facility than a nutrition company. All right. And you know, and he was saying, you know, w- week one when they started, I think again, like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, who said, you know, we made, you know, two sales on day one, zero sales on day three, thirty six dollars on day three, but. Just, and again, it's now like, I think he says, you know, $300 million company and doing do, do incredibly well, but it's... Um, I have to have a look at those guys. I'm, I'm not yeah. really, I've not got my finger on the pulse in this sports nutrition space anymore, which I should have, but obviously back then I did. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's such a crowded market to get into now. You really do need to have a strong USP or a real mm. differentiator, a differentiator in your brand in some way. There's a yeah. couple of brands in America that are shaking up a little, but I'll have a look at first one. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link to um, this yeah. podcast. It's a, it's a good one. And I also read, and, and you know, has this changed over the years? But um, you, you didn't have a mentor when you started, and you know, again, I've 
kind of gone through four iterations of different businesses and being an entrepreneur it can be or is you know lonely has, mm. has that always been the case for you you know you didn't have a mentor and you know have you felt yeah like, you know? I, I didn't i didn't all the way through i didn't have a mentor so there was one point when i was speaking to to some guy who was going to be a chairman he had gray hair and he'd been through the through the business mill if you like so he he was going to quit out badly but the it fell down on the point that he wanted too much equity wanted lots mm. of Christmas equity and all it, so if for nothing, I wanted to really give him sweat equity. So you yeah. earn, you earn, you earn the equity, but he wasn't really down with. And I'm glad, I'm glad with hindsight, it's, it's definitely the right thing anyway. Because yeah. I wouldn't have given away too much. So yeah, no, I didn't. My my parents are not from business. My friends weren't in business in the in that uh, in that time. So there was there was literally no one I could lean on in terms of getting advice or just bouncing ideas. So it was a very lonely place back when I started MP. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because for anyone out there who's in a similar sort of situation, uh, it's, you know, I think you can hopefully bounce, hopefully I can give you some, some lessons and tips so you don't have to do the mistakes I made. It's you know it is a lonely place, but it is a very rewarding process as well. So it's just stay stay there, stay focused. You will have those down down days when you're banging your head against a brick wall, but we just have to, you've got to hang in there even by seeing your pants sometimes. Yeah, and it, do you, when you, when you do have those moments, you know, personally yourself, what do you do to kind of reset? Are you, are you one of these people that would you know walk away, go for runs, and put a bike red, or or is it more like you might play some music to take you to a different mindset? Yeah, it's, I'm I'm not one to walk away. Unfortunately, I have to get I have to get it done, and <laughs> that's probably probably something I need to improve. But I do I try and jump onto a different task. And then yeah. set, I, I'm actually, well, I'll give myself, say, 30 minutes, so set a time of 30 minutes and do the other tasks. And typically, by before I get the time goes off, my mindset's changed in a different place. So when the time goes off, when I jump back on the original task, it seems a bit clearer. Um, so sometimes it's just really, it's, you know, not seeing the wood from the trees. Sometimes it's just distracting your mind to be able to create some bandwidth so you can, so you can see the wood from the trees. And that's, it works for me, a little technique. And you mentioned your podcast, Bootstrap uh, Your Life, which is which is your show. I think you're half a dozen episodes in at my last count of, of time of recording this. First of all, the name. Where did you get the name from? How old or how long did it? I can see where you got the name from, but how long did it take you to come up with that? Was that an instant thing? So the yeah, so there were six episodes in. They're only short episodes, ten to fifteen minutes long, so not as long as yours. So not taking much time. But I've, I've recorded eight. I think I've got to do some more tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, so Bootstrap Your Life, it came, well, it, it really, I don't know, it came organically when I was writing the book, actually. That's what the book's going to be called. So I so just thought I might as well just continue that brand through to the podcast as well. The, wow. I guess, obviously, one of, one of the things I'm most proud of in the, my protein story is that it was Bootstrap. It's not something that I was proud of at the time because I didn't really understand it. It just sort of happened. But the, on reflection, it's something I'm proud of. So I wanted to use that word because it's not a very common word. I want to try and coin it. And then the book is more, all right, it's not just about the, the story of from 1979 when I was born to 2011 when I exited. That's the parameters. However, there's a lot of, it goes into mindset and a lot of techniques around how to improve your life in a way. So, so it's not just an autobiography. It does try and, I think some of the, the mindset techniques that I use and the, the, the way of the way of solving certain problems could help in other ways of life. It helps you raise, so it might help with other mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, um, that's what people who've read the book so far have said as well. And do you think, because again, I'm, it's interesting. I've, I've never, I think, even thought about mindset up until the last couple of years. And now I, you know, start my days 
very, very differently. I finished my days very, very differently. And, you know, my interests are, you know, expanded and, 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 and very different. And those who listen to the show, you know, know, know what they are. But do yeah. you think you can, you can be successful without a positive mindset, without the correct mindset? Do you think there's examples out there of people who've done it without that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say you couldn't be successful. However, I think you're disadvantaged hugely. Yeah. Or I'd prefer to look at it the other way. You are, you've got a huge advantage, an unfair advantage, in fact, if you've got that strong mindset. My mindset didn't come from training it. Just It came from my childhood, I believe. And that's something I go into in the book. But I believe there's a lot of things that happened in my childhood. I'm not just no filing out here. There's a lot of things that happened in my childhood. I had an amazing, loving childhood. No, no, there's no stop story here. But there's things that happened in my childhood which, which instilled certain things into me which then will benefit a transferable skill into the business. So for one, one example, the big one is I'm an only, I'm an only child from a one-parent family. So it's just my mum that brought me up really from, from eight or nine, I think it was. So I saw how hard she had to work to, to actually to get anything. So it really showed me that you, know, you have to go out there and get you know, earn your coins. And then it was also the fact that, that I then wanted to have more than what I had. You know, I saw people with the best games consoles different trainers and all these sort of things. And I, we couldn't afford to have all the best things. I had everything I needed, don't, don't get me wrong. Afford to get the best, but I said, I want to have that. So I'm going to make sure that I can do that in the future. So it really gave me that drive and resilience back in an early day. And it also taught me how to stand on my own two feet. And that's one of the reasons why I've been able to bootstrap, because I didn't need anyone else. And I don't need anyone else to do anything in business, really. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you look back again and look, my parents split up when I was around 11, 12, you know, just going into high school. I mean, when you kind of look back at some, some of the behaviours that you, know, you developed and, and some of the paths you, you could have gone down in life and you've seen, you know, how some of your friends have, you know, ended up from that time. And maybe you don't realise it when you're that age, but it's, I think it's only now when I look back that I realised again, like, my mother like, worked her arse off for, for, for my brother and I to make sure that, again, you didn't come from a particularly you know, hard background, but at the time, you know, she, she obviously made sure that, you know, again, we didn't have the, the best trainers or the, or the game consoles, but, you know, we always had, you know, a nice holiday that was kind of thing, even if she'd saved up like the, the yeah. pack of a personal automatic packet, you know, we're going to formal <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, when you look, when you look back like that and it, it you know, that, that hard work ethic that you've clearly got from your mum as well. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's the, I think that's the root of it all, really. That's the that's the key cornerstone to success. It's you know hard work, and mm. you, know, you don't get nothing from life for doing nothing. <laughs> you've got to you've got to go out there and, and earn it in one way or another. And if anyone has that mindset, can then the road, you've already failed. So you know that's that's you know I'm in a much more privileged position now, but I'm I'm under no doubt if I want to, I need to be successful, and I you know I've got to still roll my sleeves up. Yeah, and do you see? Again, like we mentioned before, you, you probably get you know, a ridiculous number of pe- people approaching you for advice and, and mentorship. And I don't know how connected you are with the, with the startup community, but do you see you know, a lot of young entrepreneurs making you know, it's the same kind of mistakes that you kind of look back on and you go, yeah, okay, been there, done that, recognized that, moved on from that? Yeah, I think without sounding um, well, sound like I know it all, but yeah, for sure, I think there's some patterns that are very consistent with, with startups or young entrepreneurs for sure and it's you know they do resonate with me when, when people, i do get I do get hundreds of e- emails or messages a week really but that people reaching out or or, or invest wanting to invest in some way and i do i do see lots of patterns but unfortunately it's impossible for me to well, not impossible but it'd be 
very, very time restricted for me to reply to everyone and give everyone that sort of help. And, then, and you can't really answer it in one email. It has to be a follow-on email or consistent yeah. tutoring or mentoring. That's why. That's one of the reasons why I do the podcast because it's a, a one-to-many relationship. So I do. Uh, someone can ask me a question, and I can answer it. And typically, that question will be something that will be wanted to know by many people. So mm-hmm. therefore, if I answer it once and it's relayed to a hundred people at home people listen to the podcast then it's 100 times more efficient yeah yeah and that's what i like when i saw on linkedin which is where i saw that you you released your podcast and i saw the format and i thought oh that, that's interesting and you know the the trend in in podcasts generally is that you know episode length is coming down but it's like i think the average podcast was like 33 minutes i think last year and then the year before it was you know a minute longer and i thought with yours i like that that somebody you know if they're i don't know commuting taking a dog for a walk whatever it might be they can get that kind of bite-sized piece of advice and again the format's different like people are asking you question and again given your story and you know has an amazing story is and how many people probably know that that a lot of those questions are going to be similar as as you mentioned now did you did you spend a lot of thought on coming up with that format oliver or was it was yeah it well, quite quickly yeah that's one of my strengths i guess that makes in, I can look at a, a market, as podcasters know, market, and I can, I can sort of see the, the niches and sort of give me a sort of a USP or an SSP, strong selling point, as I call it, within the space. Because you've got to, for me, it's got to try and stand out from the crowd. Look, I love the, like, this is what we're doing now, interview, uh, interview read podcasts, and I listen to them a lot. I listen to many successful or interesting or lots of different people on, on these, and I love, love them. But I just felt that there's an opportunity, a space, really, where I do something a bit different. I think it'll work well together. There's, there's times when I want to listen to a two-hour, one-hour podcast, but then there's times when I want to just flip in, get right into the into another bit. And that by by breaking it down into that granular format, where it's 10, 15 minutes long, and the, the title is what the podcast is. You know, how did you, how do you, what's your best tips for investment in the business, for example, which was one last week? Then you can quickly just dive in there and press the button, and it, it sort of it spells out if, if it sounded sensible to me, and if that's the way. That's my yardstick, really. If I feel it feels good, then then I'll um I feel I'm quite objective. So um typically that'll be enough for me to do it at all. Yeah. It seems good so far. It seems we've got decent feedback. People like the format. Nice. And yeah, I can see you get you know a lot of engagement, a lot of interaction on on social and on LinkedIn as well. Mm. I don't know how active you are on on the other platforms as well, but that's where I you know primarily. Yeah, I don't really use any of the platforms. To be fair. No, that's it. I'm just LinkedIn. I'm going to set up a, an Instagram account someplace soon and try and do something a little bit different on there as well. To not be the yeah, they're trying to um, do, do something a bit different. But yeah, that's a, it's obviously a different audience. So obviously LinkedIn is very professional and it's that side. But in terms of Instagram, I think it's a, a different audience which will I think would benefit from the podcast in terms of it's more of a hustler type audience. I think there's quite a few good tips for that for that crowd to maybe get into the hustle. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I only started Instagram last year and um, it's funny now, I used to get like 100% uh, like engagement questions back from LinkedIn and like, you know, hardly anything from, from Facebook or, or Twitter. But since I started on Instagram and I found, again, maybe it's because of, like, you know, when I started up with the Virgin Startup, a lot of the, the guys I work with from there, but it's a very young audience that, that listens to my show. Like when I actually looked at the demographic from Spotify, it was like 18, 78.8% were aged 18 to 29. And that completely, oh, wow. completely utterly surprised me. So it probably shouldn't surprise me when I've gone onto LinkedIn and started getting, you know, quite a lot of people connecting with me on there as well. So I, I think you probably do really well on there, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I think your, your, your demographic is similar to mine in terms of it's people that typically 
well, people are starting business from the 40 or 50, but typically they might be in the, in the 20s. You know, obviously, screw just do, just do it is, you know, it's taking that first step, isn't it? And then I guess my story resonates with that and people want to know how I bootstrapped in the early days. So, yeah, I think it's the same market. So, yeah, I, I believe so. I think it's the right space for me to be on. Yeah. And, and where do you ultimately want to, want, to, want to take the podcast? Do you look at it as a, as a series, a, a week, you know, or, or a weekly show? And what's the kind of ultimate goal for it? Do you have one? Yeah, I don't. I'm completely honest. I, I don't. I have, it's, a, it's a weekly show. I have some ideas how to develop it and, and improve it. Uh, but the, I think the first, first step for me was just trying to get some validation that it was something that people wanted to hear and yeah. wanted to listen to. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really just, just go with the flow really and see where we are. Look, if, if, if people are, if, if I'm only going to have like 10 subscribers in, in six to 12 months, then you know, maybe I'll wind it down. But yeah. at least I tried to try it and give it a go. But it's, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's great to hear the feedback from people who who's helped. That's that's the best bit for sure, I think, is, is Absolutely. you get the feedback. That, that engagement is everything, isn't it? It is, it is. And what you've always if you've already recorded eight episodes, you've you've gone past that. The classic is that and I don't know what the percentage is, but but you know, most people don't get past episode seven. They give up before they get to episode Oh really? Seven. <laughs> that's like the magic number, that's seven. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, yeah, I've got I'm I've been in batches of People are doing their batches of two at the moment. But yeah, but I want to keep it quite current to the current. So if you're doing more than that, then obviously it's one per week. Then I, I want to keep within the current affairs that obviously with COVID and whatnot, then it's, in, it's important to have the landscape right well when it's record. Sorry to interrupt your listening to this episode, but we need you to vote. It's that time of year again. It's one of my favorite times of year. We count down the top 10 most requested episodes of this year, i.e. your favorites, okay? All you need to do is click on the link in this description for this episode and vote for your favorite episode of 2022. Then just before 2023, we're gonna count down your top 10 most favorite episodes and announce the winner. Who's gonna be number one? We've been doing this for a few years now. I love it. So. We've had some old favourites, people like Piers Linney, Magnus Grimmeland, Sabrina Stocker, Brendan Kane, and we've had some amazing online and in-person interviews. Way too many for me to list through here, but some of my personal favourites would definitely be meeting John Cordwell at the most expensive house in London, the former Phones for You billionaire, uh, meeting Seedlips Ben Branson, something I've wanted to do for years, Matthew Mills, the husband and CEO of Deliciously Ella. And then also for that, I would also say Simon Leslie from Inc. Media, the onboard media business. So a whole load of others I could recommend, but this is about you, your favorite. So click the link, vote, come back and listen to the rest of this episode. What kind of other things have you, have you done to occupy your time? Because I asked you offline about, um, I really like the, the music for your podcast, and I wasn't yeah. expecting the answer you gave me. I thought maybe, maybe <laughs> you could share that with our audience. Yeah, so look, I make dance music, electronic music, house music, in, as a passion, as a hobby man, have done for 20 years. So the, the actual soundtrack for the intro and outro of my podcast is, is one of my forthcoming releases. So, so yeah, and that's when I was saying creative, when I said I'd be more creative, I've made a lot more music in this last, last few months. So I've done the podcast, I've done the book, I've, I've, I'm not finished the book yet, and I've been making a lot more music. So it's real spurned a lot of um, creativity out of me. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, where I, that's, that's one thing I've been doing, Alex. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny because I, 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 I got interviewed for a podcast the other day and it was a, a creative podcast and they, they asked me that question, like, you know, what, what does creativity mean to you? And I said, I actually had to do my homework on this because I didn't think I was creative. And they just like laughed their heads off. And I said, like, when I actually drilled down into it, it's like, it's creative, you know, creating a podcast. And now, you know, last year we, we started a podcast agency. So we, we help brands, everyone from quite working with a zoo right through to, you know, like a nail, you know, the world's biggest nail company, you know, and it's like, wow, that's actually being creative and creating you know assets for, for other people works of art for other sure. people so, but, but I never thought of it in, in that view so that was kind of like a, a mind opener for me nice. I'm sure. yeah, that's nice positive but yeah, yeah. I think creative is creating anything whether it's business or, or just being just, just looking at nothing and creating something for it so, mm. so yeah I've been they're the things I've been creating really in, in, in the uh, downtime Nice. And, and I've read that when you were starting My Protein, it brought together a, a love of computers and a love of yeah. working out. What, what are you passionate about these days? Music, clearly one of them, but, but what else? Yeah, so music drought uh, and working out still. So I, Is it? To be honest, yeah, I, I was 16 when I joined the gym. It was a David Lloyd gym in Cheadle, which is uh, in Greater Manchester. I was mm. when I was when I was at that age. I was I left school. I had one GCSE. I was partying way too much. I was going through, down through wrong paths with in a social life. It was just it was just all a bit chaotic. So I left school. I had no job, and my mum was thinking, "What's going on?" But then I saw an advert in the paper, which was the first five hundred members for David Lloyd Cheadle could get fifty percent discount on the membership. So I thought, I've never been to a gym. I don't really know what a gym is, but I'm going to give it a go. And I did, and it was it was an absolute. It was probably the best investment I've ever made. It was the best investment I've ever made in terms of people say, what is your best investment? And I say, you know, expect me to say, you know, into the hot or my protein or one of the other investments I've got. But no, the best investment was that membership for David Lloyd Gym because from there, that really gave me a, gave me a routine. It gave me, taught me discipline. It made me invest in the body, my health, yeah. and give me some confidence in myself. And, you know, that was a really strong base then to, to get a better mindset and to, to build from. And it's, look, I still, I still like to go out on the weekends and everything, but I, I, was, I, had, I had a focus there. And then it wasn't long after that I got my first job as an apprentice, as a, as a developer. And I don't think I would have done it unless it was for the membership. Interesting, interesting. And, and is, is that like mainly gym-based or do you, do you do, you know, take up other sports within that? Because I'm a member of the David Lloyd here, funnily enough, with my, with my family and like trying to get back. I was brought up on a tennis court and I was trying to get, it's a way to get my family back into that and me to like kind of focus on the stuff that, you know, more of, doing more of what I love and less of what I don't like. You know, Absolutely. that was one of the decisions really yeah look i'm, I'm passionate about freeway that's my that's my go-to right. i've been doing it since i was 16 so what's that that's what many years now 25 <laughs> years um so yeah I'm, i don't push as heavy as i used to uh, but I, you know i still i'm still pretty strong and i'm just i just love that the discipline really and yeah. I, I do enjoy other sports tennis or something golf I've got a bunch of sports. I love being active. I do like yeah. being active. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I've started uh, since the weather in this country and in the UK has improved. Literally, I think this is going to be week six on a Friday. It's, it's clocking off at like about three o'clock on Fridays and, and again playing golf with a couple of good mates of mine. And it's like, again, just clears my head, you know. Golf's a great game. I've got, I've got some, uh, I wish I could play golf more, but it's due to lifting too heavy weights when I was younger. I've got my spines, my, my discs aren't as good as they should be anymore. I'm getting right. old. But yeah, I, I try and play golf once, once every week, once every two weeks. So I'm playing this Friday as well. But yeah, it's a great game. You can, 
it gets, it gets you around the fresh air. It's, you know, it's a good three, four hours out. You, you just have a really good chat with one of your good friends. Clear the mind. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's just that, as you've alluded to, it's that three to four hours. You know, that, that is it's a big time commitment, you know. But it is. And it's, it's, a hard, it's such a hard game as well. When your finger's shot, it's a really good shot. It's just like, wow, that's you know, real natural high. And then obviously it's yeah. super frustrating when you just one. The most frustrating game. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just last, last couple of questions, Oliver. When sure. you when you when you look back, was there a, a point in that my protein journey that, or a series of points, maybe that that you thought this is the vehicle that's going to be able to help me reach all the goals that I initially set out, like when you were twenty four? Yeah, there was. There's a, there's quite a few actually. Right. I didn't put the, the two which stand out, I guess. So, so when I when I first started my protein, I used parcel force and I got quite pally with the with the, the driver who used to collect his name was Danny. And because I used to go in the morning at five or six to the lock up, pack all the powders, i.e. the powder scoop into the bag, put it into a into a bag, weigh it out. And then I used to go back and I used to go to a full-time job, then after work at five, five thirty, I used to go back to the lock up and pack all the powders with the um the shipping label. At six o'clock or half six, Danny used to come and pick up the parcels. So obviously in the early days of two, three parcels, five, six, seven, which is fine. But then one day, and he, but then we started to get the van used to get a bit full. So he said, right, what I'll do is I'll go and drop all these off at the depot and I'll come back to you and I'll sort of over an empty van. And we had all these, you know, those long wheelbase vans, not the long, but a van. So then one day he came and goes, I can't fit them all in. I can't fit them all in. We were literally had an empty van and we couldn't fit them all in. And that was like a wow moment. It was like, mm-hmm. I'll go and I'll phone a friend and he'll come and collect them as well. But, you know. So, because I, I was so in the thick of it, I didn't yeah. really, I didn't, it was just like a real nice tick in the box moment. And mm-hmm. then the second one was more of a monetary point. But when I had the ability in 2007, which is three years after signing a, a million pound dividend to myself, that was, that was quite a, a real nice moment to have. It's actually have a million pound land in your bank, personal bank yeah. account. So I didn't take any money out of the business. I didn't. I still drove a, a day room car. I lived in a two up, two down house. I was very, everything I made, I put back into the business. To be able to take off a, a million pounds, 27 or whatever it was, was, it, was a, it was a nice moment. Definitely, definitely. And as you've been writing your book and you, you have just you know, recently launched your podcast, you had time to kind of you know, reflect and, and think, you know, what do you want people to, to take away from your story? And, and maybe that's something that will come out more in the book. Yeah, I guess. I guess there's a few but I want people to just if people enjoy it then great. You know, it's I don't want to you know, that's that's the that's the that's the overarching point. I think inspiration's got to be got to be there. Yeah. Um if people feel inspired, you know, that I what I did then you know they can do it and just being able to just take that first step, which is one of the hardest steps mm. to to realising their, their goals. It could be anything, it could be a step to be a you know direction of what a career or, or stepping out and creating your own business. So if it gives anyone that, that would be that would be really, you know, that'd be that'd be what what I'm doing it for, really. Nice. And what's you know one or maybe a couple uh, simple steps that you think somebody starting out could could execute to to begin their their journey and starting their own business? I know there's probably a million different things, and I always think you know the hardest thing for people is literally doing something to start it. And it's it, it, you know people just freeze, don't they? And they waste time doing stuff. But you you clearly didn't. So any any advice on that front for our listeners? Because it is a very young audience often that listen to. This. Yeah, look, the, the steps that are taken are simple. It's the first step which you just alluded to you know taking that first step towards your north star is the hardest step 
So if you do take that first step, don't let fear or don't let those little thoughts from your, in your, in your mind come out, which go, well, you shouldn't do this because of this, or what if this happens? Just ignore those thoughts, they're thoughts. And the sooner you realize fear is a liar and those thoughts aren't there, then you can keep stepping forwards. And you know, at that point, just have complete unrivaled passion and belief in that you are going to achieve what you want to do. Don't let anything come in your way. So that's the key thing for me, taking that first step, continuing mm. to step, ignoring the fear, ignoring the thoughts in your mind that are just and having an absolute belief in yourself to that you will achieve all of your goals because you are going to do it because it's you know you you've got no doubts within your own ability great great advice really like that and mentioned mindset a few times and kind of draw draw to a close now are there, are there any habits uh, rituals routines that you you kind of swear by now that you know give you reinforce that mindset maybe that's right yeah um these, these obviously for me they come organically and that's but i do think they can be trained so this is what i want to try and get across in the book and podcast that you know there's, there's certain traits that i've got now that i feel would be useful to, to putting entrepreneurs so i think that the first one is, is is listening to your thoughts and just recognize the are thoughts and fear is a liar as i just said that a real such an important mindset to have um, having a complete belief in yourself is, is is absolutely imperative for me. One of the things I need to improve is patience. I don't have much patience, but I've actually turned, I feel I've turned that around and used it to my advantage because I'm never happy or nothing can ever be quick enough. So I've got no patience. So maybe just if you can moderate that somehow, that's a good skill. The I guess the final one would be anyone who wants to start, it's less of a mindset point, but anyone wants to start a business, you know, you've just got to be absolutely 100% committed to putting every working hour of the day every day into the business because it, i don't for me it, you can't work four hours a week and have a successful business you do really need to put yourself on the line make a commitment to three or five years to actually give everything of yourself to the business to make it work and then look you can do that and then you can take foot pedal laser and bring bring in staff members and whatnot but you do need to have that absolute that's a mistake i made on it to be honest with, with um with one of the businesses after this on my protein I thought yeah. I could just do, you know, I could pop into the office for half a day here, a couple of days there, and it's, it just doesn't work. You, you've got to be completely committed to it to make it work, in my yeah. opinion. Well, but you can make it, you can probably make it a lifestyle business or make it a good business, but if you want to make a great business, mm. then you have to com completely and utterly commit yourself to the business. Yeah, no, brilliant. And what's your, your, your primary focus on, on, on a day-to-day -day basis now? People will want to know, you know, what, what do you do now? What do you spend most of your time doing when you, when you don't get the chance to, to make some music or, or sneak out yeah. some golf course? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I enjoy work. I love work. In fact, it's something that keeps me sane. I'm sure to the day I die, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be working. I've got no plans to retire, as it were. Mm. Well, the, so for me, on a day-to-day -day basis, the, the book and the podcast are, are absolutely key. I've got a couple of smaller businesses that I, I am uh, more of a hobby business that I run, and then uh, I manage various investments. But I've taken, I'm not investing in any new businesses right now. I wanted to clear the decks, really. I divested divest all my consumer businesses last year. Right. I obviously sit on the, the board of the Hook Group as well. So that mm. takes a little bit of time. Nice. And obviously, you're, you're excited excited about the podcast. What would you say, like, any fr frustrations you, you have right now, or like the biggest frustration you've got that you're trying to um, trying to conquer? Yeah, I try not to get frustrated because it's not there's nothing positive to come of that. But if I was going to say what I, what I miss or what I... I miss mm. the current for us of business, to be honest. I miss that being at the coal phase 
and actually having that interaction with the consumer where it's actually with other team members and you know, making growing something and making something. I, I miss that. I do miss that. And maybe one day I'll, I'll get back into that state. And the only thing is there's not enough hours in a day, which I'm sure everyone would agree with. So yeah, I guess they're the two things that are less are less good than the good at the moment. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. For those who want to find out more, it's as simple as olivercookson.com, which has information about the podcast and the book. And obviously, to, to listen to the podcast, you just need to go to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, like you're listening to this one now, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc. You can find that then. And that's probably the easiest way to, to, to find out more information about you, isn't it, Oliver? Yeah, it is. I'm not that interested, but what, what I do have is on, on the website. So I appreciate the, I appreciate the shout out. I like to appreciate that. Thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to reach our audience, you'd like to become a sponsor of the show then please get in touch. Email alex at podpreneur.co.uk. We've had some amazing sponsors over the years, the likes of Virgin Atlantic Airways, Barclays Bank, FreshBooks, Wholesup, Manscaped, Be The Business, a whole host of fantastic sponsors who've reached our audience with their message. If you'd like to do the same, then please get in touch as soon as possible. Email alex at podpreneur.co.uk. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.